0: more ongoing sexual abuse charges in both the LDS church and Mormon polygamy groups next on polygamy what love is this you know in several of our more recent programs we've discussed the intense focus on sexuality In all of Mormonism, both LDS and polygamy groups, they say and they do things that are totally inappropriate for a religious body and for religious leaders to stick (laughs) their noses into. They make rules and regulations prohibiting certain sexual acts that they say are wrong, but then they turn around and do many of the sexual acts the Bible says Mm. is wrong. We have more to discuss this time, plus we have a personal experience uh, to discuss concerning a lady who was in the LDS Indian placement program who was molested repeatedly by a prominent member who was in a leadership role of the LDS church. It was reported, but nothing was done about it. So first we want to quote from a recent news article about the arrest of a former mayor and former bishop of the LDS Church. He was arrested for (coughs) sexual abuse of children.
1: Yes, it says from the Tribune, a one-time Utah mayor and former bishop for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was arrested Wednesday after police says he sexually abused at least three children. He was arrested and booked into jail on suspicion of seven counts of aggravated abuse of a child. Johnson admitted that he has a problem of controlling his sexual urges and has struggled with this problem for most of his life. The deputy asked that a judge keep Johnson in custody, noting that the man has held numerous positions of trust, as a lay bishop in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and as a previous mayor of West Bountiful in the 1990s. He noted that there are other allegations of abuse that are still being investigated. This, again, from the Tribune, September 9, 2022.
0: Okay, so that's... And this is an ongoing investigation. Yes. And he's held without bail as the investigation continues. And this is just one of hundreds of cases where people in the polygamy and the LDS... Yeah who are in positions of trust, take advantage of children, threatening them to keep silent about the experience. No, so this happens everywhere is a comment that many people say, especially in Mormonism, <laughs> they, they repeat it and respond. But that doesn't justify the behavior. And as we said before, uh, they are supposed to be God's only kingdom on earth. Shouldn't we then be able to expect them to have better
1: behavior (laughs) (laughs) than
0: the same or worse. Another recent news event concerns the Kingston Polygamy Group. It's also known as the Order. A lawsuit has been filed recently claiming numerous counts of child trafficking for sexual purposes, forced marriages, marriages of minor girls, and other claims (laughs) in the lawsuit. Yeah, and this is
1: also recent, 9-11 of 22. Mm -hmm. LRL says she was 16 years old when she was forced into an arranged marriage with a first cousin nearly 11 years older than her. She was born and raised a member of the Order, a polygamous Utah sect, often referred to as the Kingstons. Her parents were brother and sister, and her father had over 300 children by at least 14 wives, it alleges. As a child, she was often abused by her father's first wife, the lawsuit states, adding that sometimes she was ordered to take off her shoes and socks, and then the first wife would stomp on her bare feet while wearing boots with spikes or cleats on the bottom. She was allowed limited education, but in middle school was forced to drop out and work full-time for the order, according to the lawsuit. She never received a paycheck for her work either. Rather, allegedly, like all Order members, her wages were sent to the Order's bank, where the majority of funds are funneled. LRL had been taught her entire life that marrying early and having children was a requirement, according to the lawsuit. She was soon coerced into the unwanted marriage with her cousin and, despite not desiring sexual relations with him, became pregnant shortly after. She gave birth to a baby girl while still 16 years old, Her husband continually raped her, and she faced community pressure to become pregnant again, according to the lawsuit, which also alleges that about six months after her daughter's birth, she walked in on her husband sexually assaulting the child. I
0: know. And this is just one of 10 people who have signed this onto this lawsuit, and this is just part of one story. Mm. So... uh, the, the Kingston's, of course, deny the truth of these allegations. Of course, sure. they would. Yeah. Uh, but those who are raised or were raised in this polygamy group know that this is the way they do things. Mm. And we also know that they lie for the Lord, making it doubtful that we can trust anything they say. One of the male plaintiffs says that he was repeatedly sexually abused by men oh. in the group. Other plaintiffs explain how they escaped unwanted marriages, they were trapped by their abusers, women giving birth to multiple children and punished if they used birth control. Hmm. One lady said she had a miscarriage and was accused of killing the baby herself. Uh, The news article lists several common and intentional and harmful practices of the order. Here's an example.
1: Yeah, several here. Girls are taught that bearing children with her husband is required and are impregnated when they are young so they cannot leave. Girls and women are required to submit sexually against their will to their husbands to produce children. Fathers are not named on birth certificates to create confusion, avoid criminal prosecution for fathering children in underage, plural, and incestuous marriages, and or for illicit labor and tax reasons. The order bleeds the beast, which refers to the concept of defrauding governments for the order's benefit. For instance, the order systematically prepares and files false tax returns. And the order order members are taught they are governed by the laws of God, not society, creating the seeds of anarchy which blossom to justify any action deemed necessary to advance the needs of the order.
0: And they come up with all kinds of I'm things sure that may, that's justify, their, justif- yeah. Th- so it's yeah. going to make the kingdom of God better and it, it yeah. doesn't matter who it hurts uh, if they're not part of the kingdom of God. Now, these charges might seem outrageous uh, or even unbelievable to people who aren't familiar with Mormon polygamy groups. But I was raised in the Kingston group and this is normal life for them. And worse, they blame all of the emotional sexual, physical, and mental pain on God. He is the one who requires this abusive treatment, or he's just putting them through one of these freaky tests (laughs) to see how they're going to react. And, of course, this isn't God. This isn't the God of the Bible. We pray that this lawsuit will bring justice and further investigation in all of the Mormon polygamy groups because they are all guilty of illegal and abusive and oppressive behavior. In one of our more recent programs, we asked the question, why is Mormonism so focused on sexuality? (laughs) And what was so interesting was a few days after preparing for that program, an article came out in the Salt Lake Tribune asking that very very
1: question. (laughs) question.
0: We quote some part of the article.
1: Alert Utahns have likely noticed a recent flurry of news involving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with apology Mormon hereafter, and sex. Perhaps now is a good time to add some socio-historical perspective. Nearly all religions endorse, thou shalt not commit adultery. But some add strict rules, routinely sermonize about sex, intrusively monitor compliance, rail against pornography, and punish transgressors. In the act of admonishing the faithful not to obsess about sex, they seem to obsess about sex. (laughs) If you think that sounds like the Mormon religion, let's be fair, it sounds like a good many others, too. The Mormon Church earns attention here because the Tribune exists in its backyard and because sex has a prominent role in the Church's history and practices.
0: Okay, so other people have noticed that. Yes,
1: sounds like it. That is
0: such a huge part of Mormonism. Uh, Now, the author of this Tribune article goes back to the beginnings of Mormonism, back to 1831 when Joseph Smith had his romp in the hay with (laughs) 16-year-old Fanny Alger. But he blamed it on God because it was God who mandated polygamy. Now, polygamy is based on sexual activity a lot of it. (laughs) And Mormonism has always advocated their members produce large families. This too requires a lot of sexual activity. Even the Mormon God Elohim came to Jesus' mother Mary and had sex with her to produce Jesus. A lot of sex! And of course the fruit of a sexual religion is sexual misconduct. Eventually the mainline church gave up polygamy but they didn't stop focusing on sexual behavior, we quote from the article.
1: Yet the church gives sex much attention. Leaders frequently lecture about porn, masturbation, non-marital sex, same-sex marriage, even sexual thoughts. Chaperones at youth dances turn away girls in sleeveless, too short or too form-fitting dresses and watch for too sexy and too close dancing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so their mind is right right there right in the center of it now there's more to the article of course you can find it on the Salt Lake Tribune's website and read the entire article but Mormonism needs to stay out of the bedrooms of its members and let the parents deal with their children's sexual growth rather than allowing the male leaders to be involved with this part of their maturing process now I know we had that a lot growing up in uh, the Mormon polygamy group, and it's always a prohibition. Don't do this, don't do that. You yeah, can't do this, always... you shouldn't do that. It's wicked to do this, and wicked right. to do that. And yet that's all they're doing is talking about the very thing that is so wicked.
1: Perhaps creating more curiosity. I know they've had pamphlets come out about how to deal with those sexual things as a youth, you know, youth, mm-hmm. youth pamphlet and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. and, and and you, you know, you were a bishop in the LDS Church. Uh, you know that people, especially young teenagers, maturing <laughs> sure. children, um, look up to their bishops and they look oh, up. They, yeah, they, they look at them as being really from God, hearing from God uh-huh. and having a lot of godly wisdom and all that. Yeah. So when they start asking them questions of a uh, sexual nature that's totally private, it, it's intimidating and it's yeah, scary.
1: Yeah, it is. And there's been several movements or a couple of huge movements about trying to get the church to quit doing mm-hmm. these kinds of personal interviews, especially without parents right. in, being involved.
0: And they should. They should they have the should. parents with them, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't know that I've seen that they've made any changes no, in that I, yet. Not,
1: not that I'm aware of, but I've been out for a little while. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. <clears throat> Now, the LDS Church officially had a program that they called the Indian Placement Program. It started about 1954, and Mm -hmm. it ended about 1996. And its peak participation was started and went on during the 1960s and 1970s. And I'm sure you probably remember that. You were a good standing member during those times. Yeah, we
1: actually had a, a, a young lady come and stay with to, you. For a few months, and then mm-hmm. she called her family and went home. Yeah, <laughs> but, and,
0: and some of the stories I've heard have been <clears throat> positive stories, yeah. and some have been pretty bad, Yeah, pretty bad. Native American students who had been baptized members of the LDS church were placed in the foster homes of LDS families during the school year, and they would attend public school rather than right. the Indian boarding schools or their reservation schools. Native Americans are called Lamanites in Mormon theology and in the Book of Mormon. Approximately 50,000 Native American children went through the LDS placement program, which was supposed to help assimilate them into American culture. The program was phased out because of criticism and other issues. Now in the spring of 2015, four plaintiffs, called the Doe Defendants, filed a lawsuit alleging they had been sexually abused for years while in the placement program and the LDS Church failed to adequately protect them. Now, I've personally spoken with, like I said, several people who were in Mm -hmm. the program and placed in homes, and almost every one of the the people I talked to had an abusive story to tell, a negative experience uh, that took place while they were there. And we have a story today about a woman that I know personally, who was in the LDS Indian placement program, and while she was there she was repeatedly molested by an LDS person in authority and nothing was done about it. Now the information that we present about this is taken from a crime report dated April 26, 2010, about 20 years after the molestations took place. This is Betty's story, quoting from the North Salt Lake Police Crime Report.
1: Well, this is official.
0: Mm This is official.
1: (laughs) Betty stated that she met the suspect near the time she was married. The suspect married her and her ex-husband in the temple. He was a friend of her ex-husband. She stated the suspect began coming over after they were married. He would come over to help her with her domestic issues. She was looking for someone to confide in, and he hugged her. She looked to him as a father figure.
0: Okay. So as this, as this proceeds, we can see how that could happen. Uh, For someone that was in the position that she was in, looking to him as a father figure, uh, trusting him because he was in a position of authority in the church itself. Now, this crime was reported about 20 years after the actual event. But Betty said that he visited her home after she had spent a week in the hospital and began touching her in places she shouldn't have been touched. She said she did not like the way he hugged her, but didn't tell him to stop. At one point, at the end of a particular conversation, he slapped her on her bottom. More
1: from the report. She stated he came over numerous times and then stopped coming over because of a heart attack. He did come over the following April and gave her a bottle of perfume. He put the perfume on her and rubbed it into her neck. She stated that during a swimming event, he came over to her and told her she needed to relax and to lay lay down due to the problems with her husband. He would then put his hand on her nipple under the clothes. He rubbed her stomach under the clothing and near her pubic area under the clothing.
0: Now, this is way beyond anything that's even (laughs) acceptable, period, no matter who it is. Now, Betty's husband was blind, and he was obviously unable to see what was going on. She said she didn't know what to say. Maybe this was supposed to happen, and it happened more than once, and it happened after the suspect became an apostle. This man was Robert D. Hales, now deceased. More from the report.
1: I asked her if he ever did anything she didn't want him to do. She stated that in April they were getting ready to say goodbyes. He grabbed her and kissed her on the lips. She stated that he would have laid down on the couch where he was sitting and her legs were on his lap. He would put his hands up her skirt. This happened about four times.
0: Okay, so it's not just a one-time event. Betty admitted that she has a disability in her thinking processes. Of course, this can happen when an organization like the LDS Church or a polygamy group tells you how to think and how not to think. Now, these incidences were not reported by her for years, and she was asked by the interviewer why she waited until now to report them. She said that because of recent news events, she decided to come forward. It had been about six years since she had received a phone call from the suspect. The interviewer attempted to meet with Mr. Hales, but of course was denied. Now, the report states that the victim at the time was incapable of apprising the nature of the act or of resisting it. Of course, there are those who would criticize the reasoning behind the delay in reporting the incident. But people who have been molested will easily verify the fear of revealing something like this, especially when the molester is himself in a religious leadership position.
1: You hear this all the time, that it goes on years and the person finally... Realizes the extent of what happened and then comes forward. And, right. and so it's not unusual for it to go for.
0: It's not. Years. And I've interviewed several people on the, the show through thing. the years where exactly the same thing happened. Yeah. They finally have the courage to come forward and it's after the event. Yeah. Um, and, and, and of course, that doesn't make it less less traumatizing right. just because they waited for a while in or fact, less true. Like,
1: and In fact, they've had to live with it for all that mm-hmm.
0: time. I, absolutely. Yeah. So at the end of, of the report, uh, we read this.
1: I received a declined prosecution statement from the Davis County Attorney's Office rega- regarding this case. It notes that the statute of limitations for the offense of forcible sexual abuse is only eight years since the alleged offenses occurred approximately 20 years ago we cannot file charges regardless of whether or not the allegations in this matter are true this case will be closed at this time
0: there you go and this is so, this on a technicality is a, yeah you know? on on all kinds. and and the you know the the time to uh, limit that's on these kinds of charges really needs to be updated it's it sure not should. it's not right to have it be like Uh, Like this, but we need to go on and and in the report, and there's several pages to this report of things that happened, letters between the attorneys and, and the police report itself, a polygraph examination was given to Betty in September of 2010. Now the polygraph report states that she was truthful regarding the relevant issue. The report says, and I quote, The aggregate score on the polygraph test indicates Betty was truthful. It is the final opinion of the polygraph examiner that the subject is truthful when she answers questions regarding the target area. Uh, Betty retained legal firm to represent her regarding the charges of these series of sexual assaults that took place between 1989 and 1995. And we want to quote parts of their letter addressed to the Curtin McConkie Law Firm.
1: Married life was challenging for Betty and David. David is legally blind and suffered from mental illness. Betty has a learning disability and David became physically abusive. Hales, who lived a few blocks away from Betty and David, would routinely visit their apartment. At that time, Hales was employed by the LDS Church as the presiding bishop. At first, visits from Hales were very comforting to Betty, who was away from her family, her friends, and her culture. She felt safe with Hales. He was a famous church leader. He was also her protector, a father figure.
0: And so the assaults would be particularly... Um, traumatic for her and now we want to go down further in the letter where it describes one of his first assaults on Betty.
1: One of the first times Hales sexually assaulted Betty he arrived per usual and David was being abusive it was very frenzied. Hales was able to calm David down and after David mellowed Hales sat on the couch and told Betty to come and sit by him. Then he had her lay across his lap this is something he'd also done in the past but it hadn't gone any further. On this occasion, however, Hales reached under Betty's shirt, felt her breasts. Betty was shocked. She froze. She didn't know what to do. This was a general authority who was doing this, her protector, the one who helped her avoid the verbal and physical abuse. So
0: obviously he'd been grooming her up until this point. Uh, And then he took advantage of her inability to defend herself, her passive nature, and began to partake of the results of his grooming process. He would even refer to her several times as my little papoose, oh, dear. <laughs> which is... Uh
1: not derogatory. <laughs>
0: Very much, yes. Now, the letter states that Betty estimates she was sexually assaulted at least 10 times through the years by Robert D. Hales. Because of heart problems, he stopped coming to see her for an extended period of time, but then he started coming over to see her again. He would grope her breasts and touched her in the abdominal and pubical areas. He groped her bottom and kissed her on the lips. And she recalls times that he was sexually gratified through his actions, if you get my drift. There's more information in the report and the attorney's letters. Obviously, Hales denied the allegations, but Betty wanted to fight for justice. The attorneys defending Hales responded to Betty's allegations. In part, they said this. Hmm.
1: Beyond emphasizing that your client's claims are baseless, I sincerely appeal to your sense of fairness and decency. Whether your client's motivation for her false accusations arises from the mental disability referenced in your letter or from some other source, slandering this man's good name could be devastating to him and his family. As your letter observes, he is advanced in age and fragile in health. I respectfully request that you reconsider any plan to assert the claims your client has alleged."
0: Okay, so that's their letter to her attorney. Yeah. Now, remember, Betty's passed a polygraph examination.
1: You no. should have taken one. They <laughs> should have put him on one.
0: Exactly. And and one more thing, just like all, so many other sexual abuses that are swept under the LDS carpet, uh, and there are hundreds of them, they deny it. They put the blame on the victim. Yeah. And this allows the perpetrator to seek out other victims. They said Hales was sick. Why should they devastate him and his family by bringing up and pursuing these charges? But why are they not concerned about the devastation that was done to the victim?
1: Yeah, And over so many years, she Ooh. had to live with that.
0: And who knows how many victims there may have been.
1: Yes, that's very true.
0: You know, we don't know. It's we, we don't rare know.
1: that a person would focus in on just one person, do you think? I don't know, but
0: well this, it seems
1: like there could have been more than one victim.
0: Uh, the, yeah, and that we the, 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 people say that, you know, people who study these things and yeah. the statistics on these things say that it's rarely, rarely just one person. Yeah. Who, gets their attention. So anyway, that's a story that things that are coming up and happening and have happened with the sexual allegations regarding Mormonism, the LDS Church, and Mormon polygamy groups. And we hope that in what we're doing and and reporting and repeating some of these stories will help make a stop. And we'll help victims to come forward and, come and forward. get the counseling or whatever else they might need. Yep. So thank you. You bet. Thank you, Earl. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. You know, Proverbs 6.32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Polygamists, both now and early Mormon polygamists, do not seem to understand that polygamy is included in this Proverbs verse. Proverbs was written by King Solomon, the one who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And the Bible tells us God was not pleased with him. In his later years, Solomon realized that even though God had granted him wisdom beyond anyone else, he had not applied that wisdom and had disobeyed Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen, where God prohibited the king of Israel to take multiple wives. Both Solomon and the nation suffered because of his polygamy. The Mormon culture is rooted in sexuality, and until they renounce their past polygamy and Section 132, Joseph Smith's doctrine of polygamy for salvation, and renounce their doctrine of eternal marriage and eternal sex, their problems of sexual crimes will not go away. Mormonism has added many things to the simple salvation plan we find in the Bible. But all we need is Jesus. We don't need prophets. We don't need polygamy. We won't even need marriage in eternity. It won't exist. And we know that because Jesus said so. Thank you for watching.
1: This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.